This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Master Marketer Show. Got a fun conversation today. I got Travis Bradshaw here with me. He is the or a director of marketing over at Armanino. And Travis, we're going to be talking about some uh, interesting, uh, interesting stuff today. Interesting times we're all living in as marketers. And uh, well, I won't foreshadow too much. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'm, I'm glad to be a part. I'm glad to contribute. Awesome. Well, you know, I've uh, been having a lot of conversations re- lately with CEOs, CMOs. The story I'm generally hearing is probably going to sound familiar a lot to you and a lot of others. There's a lot of pressure from corporate finance teams to, for marketing to really, I don't want to say prove their worth, that, that's maybe really drastic, but to prove out investments both retroactively and then forecasting forward looking like based on what's been there, what's been done, what are we going to spend money on next year? That, that seems to be being asked on of all teams in general, whether it be R and D and things like that, but marketing and go to market teams, marketing and sales tend to often bear the brunt of that. So I'm curious on your thoughts, what, what's happening on your end? Are you seeing similar things? And then let's kind of tackle it from there. Yeah, and you know, Mike, I'll, I agree with you, and I, I, it's not any new news. A lot of organizations are feeling this, um, especially like you mentioned, marketing or go-to-market teams. Uh, one of my uh, a belief that I have is that um, marketing is there to help make sales easier. So whenever we have turbulent times, I think it is incredibly fair to ask, "Hey, let, let's." Let's take a look at what we have been doing and see if we can have an understanding, all things equal or considered the same. Like, why are we not achieving what we set out to achieve? Again, some of those things are outside of our control, uh, economic factors, whatever it may be. You know, we see a lot. And there's maybe some larger enterprise deals that the cans getting kicked down the road. But like I said, it, I do believe it is fair to ask, hey, can we do it differently? Is there a different approach we can take to get around some of the obstacles that we're seeing? So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to kind of dive into this and chat with you about it more. So, Yeah, one thing I think that's worth diving into from the get-go and clarifying is you, you mentioned your belief of marketing is there to make sales easier. And I'm, I'm going to assume, and I want you to c- confirm or deny, that that's a very – Deliberate choice of words. You didn't say marketing is there to make sales sales's job easier. Marketing is there to make sales easier, meaning the process of making a sale easier. Yeah, I think so. It, and you know, when I if I take a step back, and I guess depending on the industry you're in, you may have a different opinion. So take it, take this with a grain of salt, right? Right. But so I work in. Uh, Armanino is a, a, an accounting and advisory firm, more so on the advisory or consulting side. So if 
if I look at uh, from beginning to end, there's long-term lead gen and short-term, whatever that is, or, or thinking of it as a funnel, top of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. If I'm going to help make the sales easier, I want to like create a flywheel. If think of it in those terms, build building the demand so that then we can. It's a lot easier to capture and then convert it. So thinking of it in those three three ways, that's how I see marketing playing into it. So yes, making sales easier. So are are not necessarily making their job easier in a way, but it kind of is. Where hey. I'm going to nurture them, fo- those those folks, all the way down to so that here you go, go close the deal, right? Generally speaking. Yeah, and I mean the the reason I brought it up is because so often, and uh, I see it especially in uh, like you know what we call technical professional services firms. So companies like yours, like Armanino, and uh, others, whether it be in you know biotech or medtech or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you'll talk to them about their marketing staff and say, well, what are they doing? Oh, well, they're helping build decks and presentations and this and this and that. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying that marketing should never do that, especially if you're, say, a marketing right. team of one or two or something in a you know 150-person firm or something like that. Okay, maybe a little bit. But where I struggle with is it's a lot of time it's those same companies where they're having marketing you know, doing ad, admin work for sales, and then they're wondering why they're not able to scale and grow and things like that. It's like, well, you're not doing actual marketing. So I think the what you exactly. said is, you know, marketing's job is to make sales easier, I think is the, the right way to put it. Um, so appreciate that and wanted to clarify. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate doing that, and I agree with you. And again, depends on the size of the org, too. You may have to wear a... Mm-hmm several different hats if you're a smaller organization but at certain size you got to like be asking yourself are, are we if my marketing team is helping the marketing team that's responsible for helping with growth if we're also asking them to plan office parties or do answer the phones and things like that that's probably not an effective use of their time and so you kind of look in the mirror and and say hey the way we've always done things right if we want to get from point a to to uh, Z, the way we got from B, C, D, and F is not how we're going to get to the next levels. Uh, so yeah, I won't. If you want me to, I can go a lot deeper on that. But uh, I have a few opinions on that. But you you make a great salient point there. Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, uh, yeah. You know, let's let's dive into that because really, what I want to get into is as a marketing leader, what mindset do you need to have? to be successful in this type of environment. And I think one where the direction you were going, I believe is going to get us to one of those mindsets, which is like you said, what got you here won't get you there. And that's an easy thing to say, but when you start looking at it from a financial perspective and a business strategy perspective, that's where things get interesting, right? Because you have these extra, these pressures that you have to get over and people you need to convince and, uh, get on board with your level of thinking. So let's dive into that. What, what are, you mentioned you had a few thoughts and opinions mm-hmm. on it. Let, let's hear them. Yeah, I think generally speaking, like um, my, how I like to run my teams or manage teams, however you want to phrase it. Is I look at strengths and weaknesses, right? And 
I'm fortunate I work at an organization where culture is, is, a, is big. And we, let's say it like this. I have, I will never ask anybody to if make a strength a weakness unless that is a, a material requirement to be successful for your role. But if there are if there are some times where um, maybe there is a weakness and it is a material thing, I'm not. This is what we'll do. We'll, we'll find somebody who has that strength and couple them with you to then together you can be successful. So really, putting people, applying them where their strengths are, to where they can be successful. Okay, that is there. That's both art and science to 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 find that. But to kind of say that. Uh, in a different way, you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and not just kind of like coast over the top. It's ha- having an understanding of how my skills or my goals level up into my team goals. How do my team goals level into my department goals? How do my department goals help achieve the firm goals? So if you can have that laddered up or waterfall down, however you want to look at it. As long as everybody has that North star, that makes it so much easier to do and to accomplish. So I felt I, maybe I rambled a little bit there, but it's, it's super important that everybody knows what the role is and then knows if you want to climb or have upward mobility, what do you need to do to do that? Um, but then also understanding that some people, they're comfortable where they are. So applying them, maybe they don't have aspirations, and that's okay. Put them in roles where that that's a common expectation and vice versa. If you have some rainmakers or high achievers, point them in the right direction, give them some guardrails, and and then and watch them go. So. so let's make this a little more tangible for folks. What's the – I mentioned North Star. Mm-hmm. What, what is that North Star at, uh, at Armenino, any current, current organization? Yeah, you know, we are a, a, a high growth firm. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to draw big, I'm going to go in a circle to get to your answer. Uh, we have a big vision for, we call our 2025 vision or our goal, right? And it's, we're going to, we want to be, and we, we feel like we can be a, a billion dollar organization by that time. So what does it, what does it take to get there? So we have a few, um, you know, the key departments within, uh, Armenino, so maybe that, that's HR, that's our growth office, you know, you name it, operations and other. We have set, defined goals on how to get there, and then everybody kind of leans into that, uh, and we have a whole process we go through and coaching and, and, and to get there. But it really boils, really boils down to is making sure everyone feels like they're a part of the team, and have an understanding that uh, I, I don't sometimes I don't like to use this firm, but you're only as strong as your weakest link. Uh, but it, it's like if we're all rowing in the same direction, like we'll get there much faster. So we, it's just all about communication. So let's drill down into that uh, as it pertains to marketing. Mm-hmm. What, how does that, um, how does it filter its way down to marketing? And then from there, you know, what is a key mindset you need to have as a marketing leader on uh, kind of rowing in that direction, as you said, uh, to be successful with, again, the, the environment we're all in right now. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, great question. So like how, how we go through it is strategic marketing planning process. That is something that can't happen in a vacuum. We have to have input from our our subject matter experts or our leaders of the different practice areas. Uh, but having a, a defined framework and then giving, again, defined responsibilities. Okay, what's my part in the planning process? Um, so it's having an understanding of what that, the firm goals are and then uh, as marketers, how we can help the organization achieve that. So it's um, really just having a confidence in knowing what the expectations are, thinking of our overarching goal. Right? So the big way that we help, and again, kind of going back to the beginning of making sales easier, <clears throat> is like if we have one goal that marketing can can align to is um, boost pipeline to achieve bookings goals. So um, what what can we do? What do we know that we can do to help contribute to that? And then from there, define what the strategies are, uh, then the objectives, and then the tactical ways to execute on that. And then from there, it's, um, you know, we kind of, we don't necessarily like chisel those into stone, right? Because things, things happen, right? There's a regional banking collapse or you name it, right? There's something that's always going to happen, a new regulation or something that we'll have to, we'll have to pivot on. So we write those in pencil and we communication with our leaders, making sure we can pivot as needed. So I kind of danced around around that, but do you, do you need me to go any, any more granular on that? Well, let's, uh, we're going to, we're going to dive into this. So, you know, the a core part of that is, you know, you hear lots of folks will say the general statement of, you know, marketing, marketing wants to see the table. You got to be a, a revenue generator, not a cost center. You talked about, well, how do you contribute yeah. to generating revenue? It's pipeline to bookings. Great. Part of this is really partnering with, you know, the revenue teams and the finance teams. So we talk about that a bit because I think, you know, revenue teams, I think that's a pretty common one, but I think it's still worth discussing. Like how does marketing do that? But then, on the finance side, that's one that generally tends to be a very contentious relationship and doesn't necessarily need to be. So I'd love to hear from you. How are, how are you and your team uh, handling that? Yeah. You know, I feel in marketing, we are in a fortunate position where uh, if it's running smoothly, right, you you can integrate into or be a part of every single department at your organization in some way or another, right? Um, when it comes to the revenue, yeah. They're, again, depending on your org, I feel like it should be locked arms, right? Elbow to elbow, right? With, with your revenue team. Uh, because what you do impacts eventually what, what's going to be happening with, with, with that team. So again, you got to be in lockstep with your revenue team, right? If your CMO and your CRO are not talking, watch out. Um, so again, just being part of pipeline calls is huge, right? For a number of different reasons. I can ask questions on, Hey, how is this campaign resonating with the market? Like it literally is the finger on the pulse. I can hear live feedback from conversations that are being had with prospects. And it kind of goes the other way too, where I can ask 
hey, what are your, are, are you hearing a similar question? Are you hearing a similar themes? Like how are we solving or what are, what are things happening? And then can we turn that into uh, a deliverable for you or, or whatever, maybe a campaign, right? So uh, just being involved and asking smart questions. Um, and then also, I mean, you get to, you get to learn more about the process that they're going through and you can apply that to what you're doing in marketing. You know, on finance, similar but a little bit different, right? So you got to understand and, and talk in finance terms. Just like if I'm going to go talk uh, IT, you got to know if I have this really cool tool I want to implement, I have to understand like what what could be the downstream implications of, of doing, the change management, right? And sometimes you may know that and you may not, and that's maybe you you have to have a, a good good channel of support and, to, and be able to ask those questions. But let's take it back to the finance teams. It's, again, I work in an, an accounting firm, right? I get it. So one plus one has to equal two, right? But as a marketer, I know that's not always the case. Maybe you have to do a little bit of algebra uh, to, to get to the answer. But you, you have to have an understanding of, let's say, I'm going to make this up as we go, right? If I know um, my target market is X, um, let, let's just let's just say it's law firms. If I know my target market are law firms, and I know within that subset of, of law firms, I want to look at personal injury firms. If then it's all about doing math. I'll take a quick sidebar. I, I took a lot of Excel classes in college a hundred years ago, and I told myself I will never use Microsoft Excel. So I don't know why I'm even doing these classes. Um, I don't use Microsoft Excel as much anymore, but I do an awful lot of math and formulas that I learned a long time ago. Um, so anyway, um, just having an understanding of how of that little percentage of my target market, if I do a, a pay-per-click campaign and I know what the conversion rates are, generally speaking, how much it costs. I can do all the math, and I can lay it all out. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Uh, and again, it's uh, some of the folks um, in, in those teams or accounting or finance teams can be very binary. It's zeros and ones. It's yeses or nos. So if you could, again, art and science, if you can show the, the science, uh, how, we, how we're going to get there, and just lay it all out, walk them through it, and then the art part can come later. But you, you have to be able to talk the lingo to get there. Yeah, so if I'm – a couple of uh, central themes that I'm hearing from you, I'm trying to boil them down. One is curiosity. If we're talking mindsets, I think you – I feel like you have to be curious not just about – you know, a lot of the times people talk about curiosity about about the marketing itself, but we're really it's curiosity about the business, the the mo the business model, even the politics within an organization if it's a large enough organization. Um, all these things. So, curiosity is one. I think probably a close cousin to that, based on what you're describing, is uh, business mindedness, which is again yeah. really sp specific to okay. How is finance going to look at it? What are these downstream effects if we make a change? You mentioned change management several times. I think that that's a big thing that marketers don't off don't always or don't often think about. Is well, 
Okay, whatever. Uh, we're going to shift to a, a different, uh, you know, go-to-market model because it's going to work better. Cool. What do we do with all these people that we've hired to activate on this current model that we're doing now? Not saying you shouldn't make the change, but do you have the skill set to make this change? If not, what do we do with all these people? How does, what is the cost of training or retraining and all these things? Like being able to think through that. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm explaining things that you were talking about, but like, so those two are <laughs> central mindsets and themes from what everything that you just described to me, at least. Um, anything, anything I missed there? No, I think you've nailed it there. Yeah, business-mindedness and being curious. Uh, those are two huge things, yeah. So, you know, if we think about skill sets, you mentioned Excel, you mentioned math. Uh, if I had to boil that down even more, like up a level, it's, you know, data concepts and uh things like that um what other skills do you think a, a marketer needs right now to be able to work with revenue teams and finance teams effectively yeah you know it's everybody finds their way in some form or fashion but finding the best way to communicate right so this, I, I grew up in a, a generation, of, I'd say, makes that, when I say that, it makes me feel old. I'm not that old, but things have advanced and I've been in a couple of different industries where if you couldn't catch someone on the phone, um, don't even bother sending them an email because they're not going to read it. Right. Um, and if you, and if you do catch someone on an email, make it brief. No one, not, there are some people that, that need a lot of detail, but, I've learned over time uh, bullet points and appendixes have all the data and refer to it. If someone needs all the details, but make it brief. So that communication, I think it is, is something that you need to be fluent in like understanding meeting people where they are. That might sound a little bit unfair. Like why do I have to adjust to someone else's preferences? But I just, I figured out um, pretty early on, like, just kind of got to deal with it. If, if I want to get something done, um, I got to uh, adjust, right? And if – I'll say this too because I fully understand and respect. Not everybody has the ability to – or maybe it could be challenging to adapt. Um, if I can't get – if I'm trying to get in touch with Mike and I can't get in touch with him, who who can get in touch with him, right? Who can get the answers for me? So, again, like marrying the strengths and the weaknesses together to accomplish things, Um there's no shame in that, right? Just understanding where, where you're at. So that communication is a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, I would say that's a pretty big one as well. Um, what else? I kind of got lost in my th train of thought there on communication that I've, I've I'm failing to communicate. <laughs> I, I like the, <laughs> I like the, the route of communication. Um, you know, I've, Similar related to it in my mind is uh, uh, like internal marketing, which very much oh, yeah. depends on it, right? I think that, you know, mm -hmm. we marketers oftentimes forget our most important stakeholders. 
and that's leadership and finance and uh, other, you know, uh, the broader team, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think we need to get them all excited and get them past their skepticisms of what we're doing. So, and that definitely depends on uh, being a good communicator and understanding how to communicate to different people and, and all that. You're not gonna. Yeah, you gotta market the marketing team. Yeah, I mean, it really is true, though. Yeah. At least, I mean, especially mm-hmm. I think in a, in a situation like yours. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the bigger the organization, the bigger the marketing team, the bigger that the expense of said marketing and marketing team, the more you need to uh, to do that internal marketing. Yes, I, I agree. Like I used to work. Um, well, is it, right now our organization, our marketing team is anywhere between 50 and 60 total people. And I also used to, I worked at another accounting advisory firm. The team was much larger. And prior to that, I worked for a company called Bass Pro Shops. And uh, it was by far, by large, the largest company I, I worked at. And the team, there was probably three or 400 people on the team and we had a saying there which i think rings true maybe say in a different way but it it was a mantra hey that's a great idea but have we told anybody at the stores about it (laughs) right um so you can there's like a vacuum you can kind of get in or echo chamber where you're you know giving yourself a pat on the back and uh or whatever it may be but you know bringing that forward to where i'm at today again small smaller but still large compared to some other organizations team is hey we feel like we're doing a great job but we also we have all these other stakeholders that we need to get on board with and maybe that's some internal hey we do this all the time for our external let's make a case study internally right that shows hey the inception of the idea the process it went through and how it was executed and then the results and then this is that rule of seven, right? You got to, boom, you got to talk about it a lot. And by the time I, I'm getting wore out talking about it, that's just about the amount of time that the people I want to hear about it, where it's starting to like resonate with them. So it's also a reminder too, that it's uh, it's a daily, not a weekly or monthly. It's like a daily thing. And again, again, depending on the size of the organization, like I'll, I'll inter, I interface with, um, we basically have like seven companies that are rolled into one, right? When we go to market by different industries, we have these industry leaders and different consulting line leaders. So a lot of context switching, but also like it's just try to give a similar message across all those areas to where you are marketing the marketing department, because it, you can very quickly find yourself and the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And then that's where a lot of questions can start happening, right? Like, what are you guys up to? We know you're busy, but uh, what are you doing? What are you achieving? What are the results, right? So, are you seeing that more now as we're kind of in the uh, in the economic downturn? Well, I think that I don't want to speak for everybody who's listening, but I think it's probably a fairly universal thing that may be happening at least i've experienced it every stop along my career is whenever there's a little bit downturn and it can look a little bit different right everybody there's a little bit of self-reflection you got to do uh and and consider hey what have we done right that 
is or is not working, right? If it is working, let's pour more gas on it, uh, more resources on it. Um, and if it isn't working, why? Um, and like a mantra we have also is like fail fast too. So let's not spend a lot of time on it if it's not working. But you're right though, that big giant magnifying glass comes out whenever there's, again, some of the things are outside of our control, right? You can't control regional bank collapse. You can't control uh, conflict in Europe that has worldwide uh, reverberations, right? So, but it, it's a, like it or not, it's a great opportunity to uh, do a few things. Um, deepen your relationships with your internal stakeholders, right? Because it's when you're in those, you're in the trenches and you're like, hey, we got to come together. We got to figure this out, right? Um, like I said before, that internal reflection, maybe there's new ways that you haven't considered. So some, when there is uh, conflict, it, you can either look at it in a good way or a bad way. And conflict can push you in a direction to like to create novel ideas or novel novel solutions. So, you know, it's a lot of that mindset. You can um, take that take feedback and internalize it for good or for bad. So, yeah. So anyway, back to your original question. I think it's a universal. If if you're not feeling that, you're in a you are in an industry that's not impacted by anything. <laughs> so. And you you found the one recession proof industry. Yeah. No, I think, uh, the other interesting thing that I've been thinking about and that I've, I've seen uh, is there are a lot of these, and again, being able to think more broadly about the business, I think is a really important mindset and slash skill, kind of a bit of both there. But one of the things I've seen is when there is a downturn, everybody starts paying attention to sales and marketing because to a certain extent, they can't control their own destiny. Right? The only thing they can control that is sales and marketing, right? So if, if there's a potentially looming either pay cut or layoff, the only thing that's going to change that scenario is new business, more pipeline, whatever. I mean, that's not 100% right. I mean, you could be looking for you know external funding and things like that. So it's a little bit. Uh, an exaggeration, but in general, I feel like that happens. And then that takes their mind away from the things they got to be doing. It could be your developers. It could be your engineers, could be your uh, finance people, whatever. Right. Um, and it, it, you know, morale decreases and all this kind of stuff where sometimes it's just being very clear about here's what we're doing to solve this problem, or at least this part of this problem. Right. And being very specific mm -hmm. about it. We're going to be doing this kind of outreach. We're going to be running these kinds of campaigns. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how we think it's going to work. Whatever. Right. And I, I mean, I, I know that from our company is very small compared to what we're talking about, but I've seen that play out in organizations across the board and definitely in ours where when things are looking a little rough, that's where you have to do even more of this, I don't know if I call it like marketing triage or something, right? But making people feel comfortable so they can focus on their jobs. Right. That's right. It's like, and you, you said it right. It, it can, and it does become a distraction where people, you know, they care about their organization. They care about their job, right? Um, it's the livelihood, right? So they can 
when you're when you have a team, right? Everybody has. You think I could use a sports analogy, right? If, if 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 I'm on a football team and my wide receiver's main responsibility is to run down the field and catch a pass that's thrown to it, that person gets distracted and feels like they need to be the one blocking and protecting the quarterback. Then the quarterback doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to, right? So it, it's very important understanding those boundaries but also you gotta do your homework and come come prepared right so that's why it makes it a lot easier when those the dips come if if you are already doing those things man I tell you what saves a lot of time saves a lot of heartache um and it is really easy like if you're going through a sustained period of growth and positive it's easy to let those things fall to the wayside and it, it does make it a little more painful if, if you don't have that framework already set up to to do those reporting and and to be able to understand where you're going what are some tools that you've used to help you stay in lockstep with your partners on the revenue team and in finance I'm not talking just software. I'm talking tools in a much more broader sense. Yeah, so I think I kind of lump that into a few things where it's kind of a little bit of both an actual, it could be a piece of software, but also the knowledge of what it means, like the business-mindedness part of it too. If So let's say one of our goals is to boost pipeline to help with you or reach bookings goals. That's like, how do you like quantify that? Right. Um, one of the strategies I could use to get there, yeah, I don't know, increase revenue from new customers by 10%. So again, that could be like, how do I do that? Right. Well, how do I report on that? Or what are the tools I can use to do that? So, I mean, there's another of just targeting your, uh, the, whatever those new customers are, and just be laser focused on that, but it got to have a good way of reporting. And in the, in the old days, you know, Excel was a challenging way to do that, very time consuming. And now there are tools like we use Power BI as a as a dashboard. It aggregates all the information, puts it in there. We can, you know, set it up however we want. Um, but understanding again, like the business mindedness and the vernacular, like, and I could have the foresight to know what, like, what are my leading indicators and lagging indicators that can help me talk that talk. So you talk, talk about tools again, is you could have a number of different software solutions out, out of the box or, or, or customized to help you do that. But um, I think the knowledge of the business mindedness of, and we had this many people register for our webinar. Great. What, what, what are we doing next to nurture them down? And, and then over time, what is the conversion rate? Right? So you had these many people register, these many people actually attended. Okay, what are we going to do with the people that attended? They fill out a survey, uh, a percentage of those. So anyway, I could go on and on, but it's um, leading indicators, lagging indicators, different software tools that can help you visualize that data. Um, and then how do you communicate that to the internal stakeholders? I think it all kind of rolls together. Um Another thing too, I know I could go on a little bit of rabbit trail with, with this is um, how can I, what are some things I can, or tools I can use to be more efficient 
right? Because there's also these internal costs too, where like our, the partners that we work with, right? Everybody, right? There's a billable hour tied to them. So what can I do to, or what can I implement to reduce the amount of time I need from them that from a non-billable kind of a scenario so that they can go out and, and work, right? So, so we, some of the things we, we're doing, uh, we're looking at um, how can we use AI to, to, do, to achieve those things. So one of the tools we are heavily looking at is uh, Jasper AI. And so what the cool thing that at least I think about it is um, we, we can train that on our, on our brand voice. And where we, we're going to see it, I believe, save time, like in the example I just shared, is um, how can, like, if I have a topic for our webinar and I could feed it some information, I could come up with an outline for a webinar. Just an outline. Saves a lot of time. Like a lot of people, if I look at a blank piece of paper, that's very uh, paralyzing, right? But if I can get those juices flowing, uh, give, me, give me five bullet points on how I can get this webinar going, right? Um, or... Uh, like a podcast, right? Let's say we do this podcast. We could feed feed it into um, into uh, Jasper AI, and I bet it could spit out on however many number of pieces of content that we could use, to, you know, to promote it or whatever. Uh, same thing for articles. We we val- we really value uh, thought leadership, but uh, not the extent that we're going to make AI uh, be in place of the knowledge our people have. But again, going back to that blank piece of paper. And we're also never going to compete with the news, meaning there's going to be some law that gets passed or regulation. We're not just going to like, hey, here's the five points of this new blah, blah, blah. It's going to be we – want, we want to have thought leader, leadership that says, <clears throat> hey, here's a link to regulation uh, 56B.A. Click here to go view it. But this, this, this is um, the top three things you need to know as a small business owner and how you can plan to prepare for it. So turning it around. So AI is likely not going to be able to put that kind of a, probably could, but we want it to be genuine, right? But getting a framework started is going to save a lot of time. Um, and as your content is king, and it's like a lot of places, it's really incredibly challenging to keep up with the pace of change of things that are happening. So we feel like it's going to be super helpful in that regard with content production, things like that. And we're, we do rely on our subject matter experts quite a bit. But if we can get it 50%, 60% of the way there, it's just going to help them make it much better. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up um, decreasing internal costs. Um, we work with a lot of uh, – consulting groups and things like that. And that's a, that's a big conversation that we, we have is, you know, usually it's, especially for like these mid, like mid-sized firms, smaller than normal, mm-hmm. you know, you know, talking a couple hundred people, but even on the, even, even on the larger firms, if it's a smaller industry team or something, yeah. you know, that you have these highly paid, high billable hourly rate, like managing directors that are doing, business development or content development or whatever. And it's the, the more you can decrease the time that they're spending on these activities, but still get the same output. Now you've just improved their capacity. And that, again, that goes back to this business mind and this thing we're talking about. So I'm curious, are you a long winded way to get me to my question, which is, are you actually tracking 
that as a metric in terms of how much time uh, you're spending of whatever your internal SMEs and things like that? Yeah, we do track, um, let's say, it's easy to track the billable hour. Like every, They all have goals, right? And they got to meet those. And we there's a com- internal competition of like uh, training, right? Or you got to be leveled up on your competencies or whatever it may be, your certifications to X, Y, Z. So we do the best we can try to minimize the ask from marketing. So are, but are we measuring explicitly what we're asking our billable folks to do? Um, it's a little challenging to do that, uh, but we can see how much, I mean, if, if the billable hours are going down, then it, that's a, a litmus test to, hey, look um, at what the actual actualization realizations are and then what, what really are you focusing your time on? Um, so we don't have a hard and fast way that we're actually tracking that right now. We could, but that's another thing to, another thing to track, but yeah. Um, anything else from a tool set perspective that you use, you know, constantly. And again, focusing on that, staying in lockstep with revenue and finance teams. I think it is incumbent on many people in marketing to, this is a generalized thing where I talked about Power BI and data visualization. That's like how we view um, performance and things like that. Not all organizations have something like that. So to the extent that you are familiarized with, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the billing software, there's a lot of information you can infer if you just go ask, like, Hey, what is it? What the leading and lagging indicators, right? Or if it's not the, the billing and invoicing software, I mean, there could be a number of different different areas. So again, think about the different departments in your organization and what's important to them, and how they are. I mean, in a perfect world, <clears throat> the goals of every department will be visible to everybody. So if you're all going towards that north star. Everybody should it shall be out there in the open. <clears throat> Maybe not so granular that individual goals are out there. Maybe it is. I don't know. So where I'm going with that is, if you have that business mindedness, um, like, and if I wanted to make sure, like, I was doing my best, or if I wanted to take advantage of all the opportunities, I'd be finding an advocate or a mentor or somebody in each of those departments. Um, you know, go through your to your manager, whomever it may, or just go direct. Understand what's important to them and how they are achieving their goals. And there may be different softwares or tools there that you could get access to to help you understand that. I think you'll be better off. It helps feed into uh, just the overall knowledge of the business. You can speak the language. Um, and it's so fascinating. Like if, if you can get some inroads into the finance team, CFO, whoever's on their team, I mean, that is like the heartbeat of, of a company, right? Where, where a lot of decisions are made there about, cause if, if it comes down to spending money for something, if you have a line of sight into that, um, that could, it can be very eye opening, right? And you can see the downstream of impacts of why we could or could not do something. Um, same on the, or similar on an operations team, right? So why, 
why are we being asked to go back into the office? The operations team might have an idea about that. Or why are we not? Or why are we going all remote, right? Hey, it's saving us a lot of money. You know, we don't have to pay all, you know, all the, the real estate uh, costs for it. You name it. There's a number of different things on either side of that. So, again, I'm kind of – I'm not giving you a direct answer on the uh, additional softwares and tools, but it's more about relationships and understanding what tools maybe those other areas use. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well – you know me, we're, we're all about relationships. So that, uh, that, that fits in, uh, with that really well. Um, well, Travis, look, you shared a lot of great, great things. Uh, appreciate the insights. I think at this point, um, anything else maybe that you were hoping to mention that we, for one reason or another, didn't get to that you think is important. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just generally speaking, right? If you're, you're new to the profession, you've been around for a little bit, or you're looking at, you're staring at the, the final chapter. Um, I think with, with the benefit of hindsight, I could say, um, so I've been doing this now for, you know, about 17 years or so. Uh, keep an open mind. Um, there's this old saying, I, like I, I'm, this is a sarcastic statement. Okay. Um, it's uh, the phrase, well, that's the way we've always done it. I love that statement. Wow. I'm kidding. Jars me at the wall. Um, the world changes so fast and so quickly. I think it's fair to always be asking yourself, um, you know, not to make change from it just for change sake, but if there's a way to improve something to make it better and be open to that, uh, just like with AI, right? Well, this is not a new statement, but I, I do believe that there will be, um, even outside of marketing, there'll be people that use uh, artificial intelligence to do their jobs better, and then there will be those that don't. And I think, uh, again, unless you, you work in uh, construction or something where literally AI can't, you know, put a nail in a, in a board, um, you'll be better off adopting that technology and make yourself better. So, uh, but, and so, and even with that, asking the question, why? Um, so seek first to understand second, to be understood, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I think, I don't know, just always being curious and maybe I'll, last thing I'll say, cause I could, I could keep going on and on rambler here. Um, there was a story that was told to me once about asking why, and it was um, the way it was shared with me. It was a young couple, newly married, and the the wife had prepared a, a ham uh, for the for the for their meal. And the husband asked, "Oh, this is this is great. I love it. But why are the two ends of the ham cut off? That just doesn't make sense to me." And the wife says, "Oh, I don't know. This is my my mother's recipe. Why don't you go ask?" Go ask mom. So I was going to ask mom, hey, you know, we just had ham the other night. Um, the way your daughter prepared it, you know, the two ends were cut off. She said this was part of your recipe and how you've always done it. Do you, can you help me understand? It just seemed kind of different. I just didn't understand. She was, you know what? Uh, that's just the way we've always done it. But that's the way, you know, my mom did it. So go ask Nana. And um, so he goes and asks Nana, hey, had some ham the other night, you know, the ends were cut off. I don't understand why. I'm just really curious. And she says, well, 
I never had a pan big enough to hold the ham. So I always would cut the ends off. So it just, I don't know, silly story, but it always stayed with me. Just, just because it's the way we've always done it doesn't mean it's the way uh, we have to continue doing it. So maybe sometimes you, you just need to buy a bigger pan, but, but you don't know that if you don't ask why. So maybe I'll, I'll leave you with that. Just be curious and always ask why. I love that. I think it's a great place to, to wrap up, which, and actually one of the other things that you, what you started with is a good transition to our uh, lightning round. If you've got time for it. <laughs> yeah. Bring it on. So the, one of the questions is what is your least favorite business word or phrase? Oh yeah. Well, this is the way we've always done it. I could, <laughs> I could, I could hang hang my hat on that one. I'm not liking go. that. Um, what is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about revenue growth, right? So, uh, I think if that's our, that's our primary goal. And if we can contribute to that, that's what we try to measure that on. Yeah. But I will say this though, Mike, um, some, it can be challenging to, uh, like what is one KPI that can, unless it is literally a, if you're selling widgets, that's a lot easier than when you're selling services. So it is, you have to, I believe, look at a number of different sources that tell a story um, that can help you understand the full contribution of marketing. Because again, maybe a topic for another podcast, but is it first touch, last touch, a mix of all of it, or do you not even consider that at all? You just know that marketing is important to have. So yeah, that's a nuanced answer, I think. But. Yeah, well, and that also can get us into the whole, uh, you know, click-based attribution versus marketing mix modeling versus whatever else. So um, definitely a topic for uh, for another podcast. <laughs> um, but good call out. What is something new you're looking forward to testing out this year? I think I might guess what that is, but I'm going to let you answer anyway. Yes, yes, yes. That, like I mentioned before, how can we fully implement AI into our marketing tech stack and really use it to its fullest advantage? Um, what is your favorite business or marketing book? Oh, my goodness. Um, I've got quite a few. Um, if you had to pick one that you would gift to another marketing leader, what would it be? looking behind me right now. Um, I pulled it off my book shelf. Multipliers. Uh, it's more of a leadership book than marketing, but I think it's, it's applicable. And kind of got some of the things I was sharing before, just about putting people in a position where they can be successful. Yep. So who's, uh, who's the author of that Liz, one? Liz Wiseman. Yeah, it's uh, Liz Wiseman. Um, it's how the best leaders make everyone smarter. So. Just putting them in a position for success. Yeah. Um, what is a marketing best practice, quote unquote, that you actually hate and think should not be used anymore? Oh gosh. Um, maybe. Maybe not a best. Pra well, one of the things I don't like is. Again, depending on the size of your org, is it? Um, there's always going to be um, quarterback 
marketing people or everybody has an opinion on how to make marketing better. The one thing that I, I have a challenge with is marketing means many things to many people. So the thinking that all that marketing is there to do is to make things look pretty or when marketing gets kind of tucked in a corner or gets added to multiple different things, um, that sometimes that can be a be, be viewed as a practice and it's not necessarily the best one in my, in my opinion, it could be used so much better than, than just being spread out like that. All right. And then one last fun one. Uh, what is your favorite song or playlist or genre of music even to listen to while you're working? <laughs> I'm a, I love all types of music and I will just start jamming out and when I get in a zone, um, I love, uh, I know it depends on the day. Uh, like, like today I was just got, got into a folk music kind of a trip. Um, but then there's other days where it would be Led Zeppelin. Uh, and then the, you know, and then there's other days where it's, um, uh, Avicii or you just, you never, you never know, or it's just some instrumental kind of stuff. So I'm all over the place just as long as I can get in a good rhythm. Um, I'm good with that. Awesome. Well, Travis, this has been fun. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself as well. Shared a lot of great things and everybody listening. We will see you next week on another episode of Master Marketer Show. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.